Good afternoon, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. <sighs> Big sigh of relief. Today was the last day officially for teachers in Lafayette Parish, in parishes all around Acadiana. Teachers are wrapping up for the year. I know St. Landry Parish teachers are done after tomorrow. And that is it for the summer. So to my peers in education, Congratulations, you have survived two and a half years of just absolute chaos. And it's been exhausting, it's been emotional, but congratulations everybody, we did it. To the students out there, congratulations for uh, making it through these very heavily upended two and a half years with the pandemic and everything going on. I'm just glad we could all make it through. Unfortunately, I have to start the show in in a fairly morbid way. You've heard the news reports. I know you heard Fox News talking about it just now, about the delay in police response to the Uvalde shooting. And I didn't want to talk about the shooting much today. I wanted to talk about Bill Cassidy, which I will do later. I think Moon talked about my column at Red State this morning, but I want to kind of dive into it as well. But, you know, today being the last day, I was kind of, you know, up to my neck and all the closing out the school year stuff. I didn't see anything news wise until I was on my way up here. And then this is the story that's out there circulating right now. We have it covered at redstate.com. My uh, colleague Bonchi has written about new details of the police response to the Uvalde shooting. Paint an incredibly disturbing picture. Go check that story out right now. But here's the bottom line. We know, once again, just like the shooting in Buffalo, that the system missed this 18-year-old kid. He would frequently have cuts on his face from when he, he cut himself in the face with a knife repeatedly. There were multiple police visits to the home where he and his mom would get in shouting matches. The mom was allegedly in drugs, into drugs, The dad was nowhere to be seen. He would frequently say outrageous, offensive things and isolate himself from people. He was bullied when he was younger and isolated by his peers through all that. He made fun of for a lisp and a stutter. The system missed a lot of red flags. But it's what happened on the day of the shooting that the system really needs to account for. There was, according to the Department of Public Safety in Texas, there was no security officer at the school. This is a report that came out a little while ago. Ramos, the shooter, entered an unlocked back door, was not stopped by anybody locked himself in a room with teachers and kids. Police were on the outside of the school. They had retreated. They had gone into the school. They had retreated. One, I think, was shot and injured by the shooter. They barricaded the shooter in the room with the children and the teachers and retreated. They remained outside of the school for upwards of half an hour 
with parents shouting at them to go in and save the kids. Some of the police officers did go into the school to save their own kids. I can't fault them for that. They are parents. They acted as parents do. But they are law enforcement. Their job is to protect and serve. For over 30 minutes, they waited outside. Parents got together and planned to go into the school. Police tackled some of these parents, tried to arrest them, and threatened to use their tasers on them. When law enforcement went into the school, they did not have any way into the classroom. They had to get somebody from school staff to go and unlock the room for them. They then called out and said, this is the police. If you need help, please say help. At least one kid shouted for help, alerting the shooter to where that child was. And the shooter shot and killed that child. This is from eyewitness statements inside and outside the school. A, four, a, a fourth grader who was hiding under a table that had a tablecloth on it, which, which probably obstructed them, uh, him and the other students in there, from the shooter's view. But then police lied about the timeline. Here in Louisiana, we are dealing with the aftermath of law enforcement lying after an incident, in this case, the death of Ronald Green. But in Uvalde, Texas, the police were in a state of inaction and did nothing. And it cost children their lives, cost teachers their lives. And they lied. They are the the spokesperson for the police department was combative with reporters and journalists who were asking questions about the timeline because it didn't make sense. They had all these videos and tweets and everything going out that, that questioned the timeline, the parents posting the videos from the scene. And police obfuscated the truth. They lied. This is, again, a failure of the system. And it led to a horrific tragedy. As much of a jack wagon as Beto O'Rourke was when he interrupted Greg Abbott's press conference yesterday, he was right about something. This is preventable, but it's not because of gun control laws. It's because the system, as it is set up, is currently not doing what it's supposed to do. So if the system is failing, how would new gun control laws fix this? But more importantly, how do we fix the system? That, along with the mental health issue, like I said yesterday, that's the question we have to ask. Those are the problems that we have to fix. We cannot jump straight to more policy that wouldn't work 
because the policies we already have failed. We have to understand why the policies are failing. That has to be the job. That has to be what we have to do. We have to stop trying to score political points. We want a solution. We demand some sort of solution to this problem. And you cannot tell me that everything is perfect and so we have to try something new, invent some new law, some new policy, when the current policies failed. They need to be fixed. They need to be tweaked. This is unconscionable. It's offensive. It's horrific. And it should not have happened. It was preventable. 232-1542, if you want to join in. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to move on. That's all I wanted to say on that. I want to talk about the Bill Cassidy story because that was my column at Red State this morning. We'll have that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you'd like to call in and be part of the conversation. But I do have to say that once again, in light of everything else going on, we can rely on Senator Bill Cassidy to provide the comic relief. Republican Bill Cassidy, known affectionately by our friend Moon Grafana, Psycho Bill, uh, does not appear to be set on winning the hearts and minds of voters back home, despite the fact that rumor is he wants to jump in next year's governor's race. I cannot imagine a scenario where anybody would think that's a good idea, except for Bill Cassidy, who clearly thinks all bad ideas are inherently good. It's like, you know, the saying, uh, all press is good press. It's like Cassidy lives in a world where all ideas are good ideas. I don't know what, let, let's, let's take the issue of gun control and whether or not it's actually legitimately a good idea. Let's take that out of the equation. Let's look at the pure, raw politics of it. Bill Cassidy has earned the ire of the state Republican Party and state Republican voters by voting to impeach Donald Trump after the January 6th riot. He supported, co-sponsored, voted for, and defended the, the bipartisan infrastructure bill after famously defending it without knowing what was in it. If you recall that fantastic interview that he did with Seventeen Keel in Shreveport. And most recently, his dismissive attitude about the high maternal mortality rate among the black community. He's winning no fans back home among the right or with that latter issue among the left. The current governor, John Bell Edwards, term limited. Bunch of Republicans want to jump in. I've talked with y'all about that before. Jeff Landry, John Schroeder, Billy Nungesser, and possibly, and possibly, John Kennedy maybe, Bill Cassidy maybe. Cassidy apparently wants to jump in. He apparently wants to go the Mitt Romney route. And I think this is, I, I, I truly think that he is Mitt Romney in this scenario. 
He wants to be the Mitt Romney of Louisiana politics. He wants to be the smartest guy in the room. He wants to say, no, no, no. You may think you know what you want, but I'm going to best represent you. And he's telling conservatives in Louisiana, I don't actually need you. I can win moderate voters with my common sense, bipartisan, moderate, adult-in-the-room approach. And so it was reported at the Daily Advertiser yesterday. Cassidy, who joined Democratic U.S. Senator Chris Murphy of Connecticut for a live interview with The Washington Post, said that federal red flag laws and an inspection of the required background checks on firearm sales are certainly something to discuss, though he stopped short of endorsing specific measures. We have to do what is required so we can find 60 votes on, uh, we have to do what is required that we can find 60, 60 votes on to keep this from happening again, Cassidy said. In that quote from the Daily Advertiser, it says he stopped short of endorsing specific measures. That's a key political phrase. And it often translates, even though it's not explicitly, it's not meant to, it often translates to, he really wanted to say this. He really wanted to endorse these things, but he also kind of wants to run a statewide, statewide race again, maybe. So he's not going to come out and say it. It's very likely that neither of those policy proposals actually would have stopped what happened in Uvalde. I mentioned what happened already. Red flag laws? The police already visited the shooter's home multiple times. He had a track record of disturbing behavior and nothing stopped it. Expanded background checks? Probably, probably not going to do anything to stop what happened earlier this week. What the Democrats want in expanded background checks are often pretty tyrannical and very definitely anti-Second Amendment. They want to make it prohibitive. They want to make background searches prohibitive. They don't want you to buy more guns. So Cassidy wants to talk about these things. Maybe we can find common ground here. No, we're not going to find common ground here because again, neither of these addresses the actual issue at play. The issue at play is that the system that's currently set up failed. But more importantly, the raw politics of it is you're not going to get support from the state of Louisiana on either of these things. And if you're pushing for these, if you're pushing for gun control, and make no doubt, make no doubt about it, he's pushing for gun, gun control. He has no understanding of what his voters want, and he really and truly thinks that there is some moderate base in the state of Louisiana that really, really wants him to tackle gun control and to bring Democratic infrastructure projects and big spending to Louisiana, as if that's somehow going to be the way that he can win a statewide election again, because he's not going to win with Republican support. He's taken all this time to tell conservatives in the state of Louisiana, it doesn't matter what you think. I'm Bill Cassidy. I'm a doctor. I'm in the Senate. I know what's good for you. Very democratic behavior. Somebody just emailed me a reply to, to this column earlier. If Cassidy runs, I pray he resigns from the Senate to do so. This person commented, we can get a new senator 
and send his rear packing back to being a doctor. We'll never vote for him again. He deceived the people of Louisiana and has morphed in his second term as a senator into a Democratic wannabe. Absolutely correct. Bill Cassie is a Democrat wannabe. He, he is a Democrat in all but the letter behind his name. I'm not mad because Bill Cassie is supporting gun control measures. I expect it of him. What I'm mad at is this mentality that Cassie has that so many politicians, left and right, love to adopt. I'm smarter than you. I'm the one who's in who's in the Senate. I'm the one who's elected. I'm you guys elected me. I'm going to tell you what you need to have done. I'm going to tell you what the correct answer is. Y'all just leave it to me. Y'all don't worry about anything. I got it. I know what you want even before you know you want it. It doesn't matter what you want. I know what's right. This is demeaning to the voters of Louisiana. And Bill Cassidy is not going to win a statewide election in this state again. I'd love for him to try. I would love for Cassidy to run a statewide race because it would provide nonstop comedy for the rest of us who know exactly what a joke Bill Cassidy has become since 2020. I'm glad this is probably his last term as a senator. I don't see him getting reelected there, and I sure don't see him getting elected governor. Let's go ahead and take a break, and let's talk about legislators in the classrooms when we come back here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. Sorry, if you want to be part of the conversation, I am fascinated by H.R. 99 in the Louisiana legislature uh, by Representative Patrick Jefferson. Uh, Bernie and Ian, I know, talked about it on Acadiana's Morning News this morning. I will actually be, I think, joining them tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. Uh, to talk about some state politics. But I did text Bernie this morning and said, save some of this conversation for me because I want to jump into it there as well. But I want to talk about it a bit here. We've just finished the school year. It's been a tough school year. It's been a tough two and a half years. And I like the idea. I, I won't lie and say otherwise. I, I like the idea that members of the House of Representatives voluntarily serve as a substitute teacher in a public school. I would love to see them go further. I would love to see legislators not only serve as a substitute teacher in a public school, I would love to see legislators in the House and the Senate have to work a minimum of five days as a substitute teacher, at least three of them being in, an, in a low-performing or underserved school. You know the old adage, those who can do, those who can't teach, and we in the teaching field say those who can teach, those who can't pass laws about teaching? This would be a great chance to fix that. Because just requesting they voluntarily serve in a classroom for as a substitute for a day or whatever doesn't do enough. Our politicians who are getting involved in these different aspects of, of our lives, education, business, 
anything like in any of these areas that they get involved in with their legislating, they need to have some experience in those fields. And I really and truly think that with public education affecting so many of our children, literally the future of the state, assuming the future doesn't, you know, get up and bolt out of the state as soon as they get their college degree, which they likely are, uh, with the future of the state literally in the hands of our schools, hands of our schools, legislators absolutely should take part in the education process. They should become, and I've told you guys this too. I know a lot of y'all have opinions on teaching and opinions on education. We talk about every time the whole issue of teacher pay raises comes up. If you want to affect change in the school system, learn how the school system works. I'm not saying you're ignorant, but I'm saying you need to get a feel for it. You need to go in there and be in the classroom. Go. If you don't have a day job or if you have flexible hours, maybe you're a stay-at-home parent. Maybe you work remotely. Whatever the case may be, take a day, go work as a substitute in a school, particularly a low-performing or, uh, or underserved, high-needs school. Go and see just how difficult it is, not just to teach, but to be sure to reach the kids that need to be reached. Because oftentimes you have to do a lot of extra work to make sure those kids are reached. See how the schools are doing that. See how the schools are addressing that. Because I'll be real honest with you. A lot of the complaints that a lot of conservatives have about education are policy complaints. And those are actually district and state level complaints rather than individual school or teacher complaint, uh, complaints. Some of them are, yes. We've all seen the libs of TikTok account. We've seen the viral videos of teachers that are all into teaching trans identity and all that or critical race theory and all that. Yes, we see all that. Individual teachers, much like individual cops can bring down the public perception of the police force or what happened in Uvalde, Texas, bringing down public perception of the police force. We know that there are vastly more good cops than there are bad cops. We know there are vastly more good teachers than there are bad teachers. Our legislators, before they can really understand what's going on in schools, need to take part in that. I 100% believe that. I would love to walk into my school one day, see that a colleague is sick, and see that one of our representatives is in there substituting for a day. I would love to hear about that happening at Northside, at Southside, at Como, at Acadiana, Acadian Middle, L.J. Alamo, Scott Middle, Lafayette Middle, Lafayette High, any of those schools, I would love to hear of our Acadiana representatives in our Acadiana schools working as substitutes. High-performing school, underserved school. We need more people to come in and see what it's like. And then before you craft some law about critical race theory that doesn't address critical race theory at all, and it's just some feel-good statement that scores political points. Before you actually try to write laws that don't actually fix a problem in our schools, you understand what those problems really are. 
because a lot of our legislators are parents or grandparents and they have kids that have gone through the system, but you also need to see the other side. This shouldn't be a resolution requesting members of the legislator to voluntarily serve as a substitute teacher. It should be a requirement. It should be a requirement for you to go multiple days, a few of them being in an underserved or lower-performing school, a school with a high rate of poverty, a school with a high rate of discipline issues, but also some of our good schools, our magnet schools, our charter schools, some of our private schools. Go in and see what the education system looks like. And then go in and start crafting your change. But don't just do it based on a day. Don't just volunteer to be a substitute teacher at an A-plus school for a day and say, I got it, I figured it out, because you don't. You don't have it figured out. Not trying to be mean. I'm just trying to tell you guys. Much like a lot of political policy, there's a lot more nuance than either side is ever really willing to admit and I'm telling you, it's very weird to be a conservative pundit in the public education system. Those two things don't really cross over very well, but here we are. So I can tell you firsthand that a lot of what conservatives say about public education, yes, some of it is true, but some of it is vastly overstated. And y'all really need to see what's going on inside. And we really need to make those changes in order to fix the system, but you have to understand what the fixes need to be, not just some political talking point, but what the actual fixes need to be. So please, by all means, legislators come into our classrooms. If any of y'all are listening or any of your people are listening and they tell you about this, please, y'all can reach out to me, joe at redstate.com. I'll talk to you. I'll be glad to talk to y'all one-on-one legislators or any of our local politicians. You should step into a classroom. I would love to see y'all in there. 232-1542 if you want to be a part of the conversation. When we come back, what else is going on? We'll hit some headlines here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to call in and be part of the show, just like Judy, who's calling in. Judy, how are you today? Quite well, thank you. My, my thing about school is being a retired teacher, mm-hmm. this Common Core is scripted. That means they hand you the teacher's manual, and line by line by line by line, you are to teach, not where you can enrich if a child is advanced, not where you can remediate if a child is lacking, and it also has gaps, gaps where these students need to be helped, but yet it's not in the script. So you have got gaps here and gaps there. For example, uh, spelling. Spelling is no longer taught Mm -hmm. after third grade. When I was in school, and I'm 75, we had spelling up until eighth grade. We had English grammar. That's not being taught anymore with Common Core. Common Core has just taken the work of the teacher, where the teacher is able to assess a child 
and remediate or enrich this child's learning, it doesn't do that any longer. And when you have teachers who have to be taught how to teach Common Core, that is pathetic. Why are you hiring a trained individual to assess and evaluate this child so that they can improve the gaps in their education, but you're not going to listen to this teacher? You're going to listen to the bureaucrats, or you're going to listen to the supervisors who the bureaucrats have said have to do this. And when, when the curriculum is such that it is so advanced, that you just plunge into and have no concern about these children who are being missed in the cracks and falling in the cracks. This is where our education is going. You're absolutely it, right. It, you're, 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 you're preaching a lot of great words, Judy, and I hope a lot of people are listening. I know I am because, I, I again, me, I just finished my ninth year in the system. I know exactly what you're talking about. When... When you go to, for example, uh, my granddaughter had to go to an endodontist. His children were going to Beckham and Koto, Grand Koto, and he said he could not help his first grader. When an educator, I mean, when, when an individual who has been educated like a doctor cannot understand and help his children, mm-hmm. that is Something's wrong with the educational system. You need to put it back in the teacher's hands with supervisors and say, okay, this is what they should be learning at this stage. If they're not learning at this stage, then we can help them by remediating here. These kids are well advanced. So how can we help them engage in a more, more, how can I say it, a very well- uh, advanced curriculum, yeah. but that's not there. Everything is supposed to fit in that one thing. So if a child does not learn the way you're teaching, teach the way the child learns, and that's what we are missing. Yeah, we are. And, and, and you know, I think the, what, the, what you opened up with, I think, is one thing that a lot of teachers, I know locally a lot of teachers have really struggled with is the scripted curriculum. Um, the the English curriculum right now is super scripted, and there are, like you said, some gaps in there. Um, I know, for example, uh, one of the things that the Louisiana State Standards, which are you know just kind of the revised Common Core standards, they require kids to know how they, to know about argumentative writing and to be able to do argumentative writing. But the guidebooks don't actually give kids the opportunity to really work on argumentative writing, which is one of those core writing. Uh, Core, uh, core writing styles that you need to understand in order to be able to determine simple things like if a source that you're using for a research paper is biased or unbiased. And these gaps persist in, these, in, in the education system, and we have to find a way to get the right curricula out there. But one that, like you said, allows the teacher's freedom to constantly assess, remediate, enrich, extend for the kids who got it and are ready to move on. We have to be able to get all those kids so that not just the ones who are struggling so they don't slip through the cracks, but the ones who are brilliant who got it and are ready to move on so they don't get bored and slip through the cracks either. You're absolutely right. Judy, thank you very much for the call. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for saying that topic or staying on it. Well, thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you very much. 232-1542. If you want to call in and be part of the show, and that's, that's, that's really it. The, 
I, I've been saying it now for a couple of days. The system's not perfect, and, and education is just one of those systems where, no, it's not perfect. And we do need to make some adjustments, and we do need to look at the curricula that we have and figure out, okay, are we on the right curricula? Is it giving us what we need? Are we spending the are we spending uh, the money on the right things? Frankly, and we have to continue moving on to try to get try to get these uh, try to get the education system to work better for our kids. This and 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 I hate to say it because again it is it's just one of those situ- where you know I'm I'm in the system. And I, you know, I don't like talking about employers in general, but it's just a broad education problem. We do have curricula. Um, the, the guidebooks in English are a statewide provided curricula. We need to look at those and really look at what's being offered in those and how we can revamp those to make them better. Scripted curricula are never a good idea. 232-1542, if you want to join in, we've got a few minutes left and we've got Renee on the line. Renee, how are you today? I think they need to like uh, put more commercialism and get the best in books, books with more pictures, and you know, and if we got the money, uh, maybe exchange students that know math to like you know we need to get better in math. You know how come is it uh, countries like Korea and Africa when they send their college students there, they're fantastic at algebra, and um, I'm 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 one of the ones that it looks like the right answer when I'm done, but. It's not. Yeah, yeah, but if I do an algebra problem, yeah, no, I I hate out. Trust me, I I'm not a math guy. I'm a writer by trade for a reason. I suck at math, and but you know but, one of one of the things is part of it. What you're saying is like in Korea, in in the Asian countries, there is a culture of academic success. They strive for academic success. And you see that actually when they come to America and these children or grandchildren of Asian immigrants come in and they really, really are just pushing and pushing and pushing. And they have this cultural, this idea of cultural success. Whereas right now what we're fighting in the education system from a lot of our students is this cultural kind of pushback against academic success it's almost like the whole too school uh, too cool for school type thing but it's 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 very hard to get and keep kids motivated that's one of the things as a teacher that's frustrating because teachers because of school scores can end up being punished because they well you should be able to motivate a student to be able to do that but it's really difficult to overcome that cultural just rejection of academic success renee thank you very much for the call uh, we're going, we're almost up against the clock. Do we have time for this last no, one? No. Okay. All right. So sorry. I know we got a couple other callers that are on the line. Sorry. Uh, we just don't have the time, but again, I'd love to keep the conversation going if we have time tomorrow, because I believe tomorrow we have UL baseball. They are set for a four o'clock, uh, first pitch, but it is a tournament. So we can maybe expect some delays there right now, though. Right now we're expecting a four o'clock first pitch. So we might have some time to be on the air tomorrow to talk about this issue and some others here on the Joe Cunningham show. In the meantime, do want to say one other political thing before we go. The Cook Political Report, which is a uh, a very well-regarded political analysis group. The Cook Political Report has shifted more, 10 more Democratic seats to leaning Republican or at least a toss-up. Any seat that Biden won 
by single digits or even as much as 10 to 15 points, they're in trouble. Turnout in Georgia proves it, and we're going to continue to see that. You guys have a great day. We'll talk to you again tomorrow here on the Joe Cunningham Show. In the meantime, Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show, email Joe at redstate.com, and check out the podcast on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. Talk to you guys again tomorrow here on News Talk 96.5 KPL.